thank you for joining us on episode 27 of Loons Out of Water, a Minnesota United Football Club fan podcast. I am your host, Dylan, and on today's show, we have our regular flyers, Jake. Yo. And Sydney. Sup? And PK. PK, anything that you would like to say to get us going today? No? All right. Well, today we're going to talk about Minnesota United's loss at Carolina. And we're going to talk a little bit about our next and final home game uh, against the New York Cosmos. And we'll talk a little bit about uh, a kind of cool announcement that Minnesota United had in regards to its season ticket holders uh, for this coming year and the future of the franchise. And we'll start uh, today's podcast off with the recap of the Carolina Railhawks 1 Minnesota United FC zero game from this last weekend. The lone goal in this one was scored by the Railhawks Matt Fondi from a Brian Shriver assist. So Sid, the Loons tallied 13 shots with five of them being on goal while Carolina had 19 shots with only four of them being on goal. So how is it that we have a better on-goal percentage but still come away without a score in this one. What did you What did you see about our attacking in this game? I mean, since he was man of the match, we clearly were just not giving it to Abson enough. That's what I take away. Okay. Uh, honestly, I couldn't put my finger on it. I don't know if you guys have anything for this question, but well, it felt like I know for me the 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 big thing, the big moment that uh stands out is i can't remember whose shot it was that went off the crossbar do you remember jake it was Spieser Venegas, i think right yeah i mean that sounds right i don't remember uh but there was one that was like a really good shot or maybe cruise i think it was cruise because i said classic cruise i'm pretty sure it was yes so it went off the crossbar and then they showed the replay and you see that it's one of those where 90% 90% of the time, Ramirez is in the exact oh, right yeah, position is, yeah. to clean that goal, that like missed goal opportunity up and get us a goal. And he's just sort of, and not, to, I wouldn't say it was to his fault, but just like wasn't in that position on that one. And that was like our best opportunity. scoring opportunity the whole game. And between Cruz's miss and Ramirez, you know, just sort of missing or being in the wrong spot uh, for the cleanup of it, um, it just sort of sums up our attack in that game, I felt like. Uh, Jake, any thoughts? Yeah, you know, I guess looking just at the numbers and my recollections, more for the for the last few games maybe than uh, just this one in particular, but it's one thing to take a lot of shots. It's a better thing to take a, and get a lot of shots on goal, but it's a whole nother thing to get good shots on goal that really to use the, the wonderfully cliched phrase to ask questions of the goalkeeper. You can get shots on goal, but if you if you're just putting it right at the goalie, 
uh, you know, the keeper doesn't have to do anything with it. Sure, it's looking good because you're getting shots on goal, but you're not really challenging them and you're not giving yourself uh, a chance to score a lot of goals. And that's, I guess, what I've, I feel at least, I don't have the statistics to back this up, but if my memory serves, we've had a good chunk of those, uh, particularly your non Ramirez's and your non uh, Banks's. Banks has had a bunch of those where he's just, you know, kind of a longer distance shot, but he doesn't get the great leg on it. And it's, you know, kind of at uh, just about pretty directly at the goalkeeper. But he's had other ones that have just been hooking into corners like crazy. You know, he's, I think, been one of uh, probably our three best shooters as the the year has gone on this year. Uh, But I don't know. You know, we're getting shots on goal, but I don't know how many of them have been particularly challenging for the opposition keepers. Yeah, and I think that the sort of bottom line to what you're saying is – Shots on goal are great, uh, but if you're not, you know, like you said, if you're not challenging the goalie, but, you know, if you're going to have those sort of straight on goalie shots, there has to be more of them so that there's that opportunity for the goalie to sort of mess up and not catch one or, you know, where, yeah, where you can have Ramirez have a cleanup goal. And in this one, you know, there really wasn't that of the five, like, I don't remember any of them being really that close. Like I remember them sort of, as you're describing it, Jake, where they're, they're sort of, they're shots right at the goalkeeper. Uh, and you know, those are, you know, helpful and they can get your offense in a rhythm. Uh, but if you're not, you know, you almost have to do more of it in order for it to be effective. Sid, any other thoughts? I mean, I'm mostly just back at Jake's cliche quote, and I'm just trying to think of what kind of questions we would ask the goalie. What would you ask the goalie? Well, it's just like, are these kind of like first date questions? Like, hey, what's your favorite Ooh. color? Or are they like... You know. By the way, no one asked that on a first date anymore. Like maybe in the seventies. <laughs> no, when you were like your first first ever date, and you're like fourteen, and you're like, "Fuck, I don't know okay. what to say." What's your favorite color? Yeah. We'll talk about this. Okay, all right, all right. That's how I imagine when your ass hits uh, on the ladies. I don't. I don't remember. Oh. Go ahead. I don't remember what team he played for, but I would ask that one goalkeeper why he wears the hat. Oh yeah, that motherfucker. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and the Indy. sunglasses, I'm right? Sure he's <laughs> Indy. Yeah. I mean, the answer is the sun, obviously, for all of these things. But you know, still, it's not a good enough excuse. That's what I think. Now you just, Jake, you're supposed to be the one who can come up with like the obscure historical question, like favorite first lady and why. Excluding Jackie and Eleanor, because those are like, and Michelle, any of the Bush women. No, throw the Bush women in there. Who cares? Fine. How dare you say that about Barbara? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that hottie. (laughs) Um, Uh, President Lincoln's first name was what? There's my obscure history question. I wouldn't know. I'm not a goalie. Wait. Exactly. President Lincoln's first name? Is it Mm -hmm. not Abraham? (laughs) Oh, it's absolutely Abraham. (laughs) I was literally just Googling it. 
like, holy shit, this is a great <laughs> trivia question. I thought maybe Abraham was like his middle name or something. Oh my gosh. No, if you like, you, if you know about anti-jokes, that was an anti-tricky historical question. Oh, I see. Okay. Oh, man. We yep. thought you had like a legit crazy <laughs> trivia thing going on right there. And again, so wish you were my history teacher. Yeah, so much better than all of mine. Can uh, you name Actually, <laughs> uh, William, which was the name of his secret gay lover. <laughs> Just making up history to your students. Yeah, absolutely. Jake, here's my question. Can you name oh. his vice president from 1861 to 1865? Hannibal Hamlin. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Murdered uh, That's it. fantastic. All right, moving on. Uh, Jake, so in this one, uh, Jeb Brofsky uh, suffered a, we now know, torn ACL in the 36th minute. Uh, how did you feel that we looked before said injury and also after Aaron Pitch Colin came on in his stead? Can I answer this? After Jake does. Yes. Or if you... We looked before Aaron Pitch Colin came on like we hadn't yet brutally watched someone tear their ACL 15 <laughs> times in slow-mo. <laughs> That's true. That is true. Yeah. And then when Pitch Colon came on, we all looked incredibly nauseous. Mm -hmm. There we go. All right. Hand it Jake. off to you, Jake. <laughs> nice. Good work. Uh, yeah, you know, we earlier on, we definitely felt a little bit more energetic. And, you know, the the attacking qualities and the, the transition into the attacker a little bit quicker, which is always, you know, what you're going to get. Um from Brovsky, uh, over pitch, but I, and there was a very clear, you know, before and after, but I don't think it was when pitch came on. Uh, it felt like we finished the first half really well and strong. Uh, even after pitch was out there, it felt like we started off the second half fairly well also. Uh, but at some point things just seemed to really bog down almost offensively. Uh, and, uh, it seemed like by the last 25 minutes, Ibsen was the only guy that was really, again, playing for anything. As sort of damning as that sounds and as inaccurate, almost certainly as it was. Um, but uh, no one on that, that field came anywhere near to matching his energy. Um, guys, we're losing by a goal. When we need to win this game, let's, you know, get, get something going here. Let's get moving. Uh, and it seemed like our energy really, really tailed off at the end. I don't think that was a Brovsky thing, but I also don't know what it was either. Uh, but it seemed like in the somewhere in the, the start or middle of the second half, we just fell off big. I know. I remember Dylan saying that he said it felt like we were playing them in the middle of the summer and not like it was like 50 degrees out like it looked like they were just destroyed by like what would usually be the temperature in North Carolina but wasn't the case that evening like they looked unusually tired yeah and I think I mean ultimately it sort of goes in line with the results over the last uh, month and a half it, it, we looked like a team on the decline and they looked like a team that's sort of partially on the rise uh, and, you know, going into potentially 
going into the playoffs. Uh, obviously, you don't want to be a team that's going uh, on the decline. Uh, just look at Real Salt Lake's game last night. Um, but, uh, yeah, I uh, I mean, I think the biggest thing for me as far as the Jabrowski switch to Aaron Pitchcolin, I think there was a really big difference. Uh, I remember seeing one especially. And at first I attributed it, I remember saying something to Sydney about it looked like or I said something like, it, it always sucks when a player has to come on because of an injury because they're always cold. They're not warmed up. They're not like, you know, their legs aren't loose, especially in the first half, because they're just you're you're not expecting uh, to go out on the field. And it very much so looked like that with Pitch Colin when he first came on. The unfortunate thing is then Pitch Colin's legs never really look have looked good the entire year. And so once he was on in that central defensive midfielder position, I feel like everything about the sort of transition from our defense to our offense looked just that fraction of a moment slower than it needed to be even at this level of soccer in order for us to really be threatening uh, offensively. It just sort of felt like we lagged a little bit. Um, and I think Pitch Colin is, is definitely still able to play at this level, but I just don't think it's at a midfielder's position anymore. I think he can play center back uh, and not, you know, he can be a good, strong defensive player. But if we need him to be the transition between our defense and our offense, um, he just doesn't have the legs and the the off the ball movement I think that he used to uh, and it really slowed us down and I would agree with you Jake I feel like uh, what we saw from Ibsen about halfway through the second half where is is the Ibsen that I can sort of understand at the very least where he wasn't getting he wasn't whining at the refs about every single call that he wasn't getting he was whining at his own teammates about not making moves off the ball and not, you know, his urgency was different. Um, I don't know if you saw the same thing, Jake. Yeah. You know, we've, or at least I've talked about good Ibsen and bad Ibsen. Uh, this, this is the good Ibsen, uh, you know, that transition that you're sort of just the thing you're describing there. That's, that's leadership to me. You know, the guy that's out there trying to poke and prod his teammates to, uh, you know, whether it's make better moves, um, play harder. You know, I don't know what it is and I don't know how good he is personally at, uh, you know, constructively uh, expressing that to his teammates or anything like that. Uh, But all I know is that by the end of the game, I was really impressed with his uh, sense of how important just even pulling one point back, uh, just getting something, tying it. Uh, you know, looking at the standings right now, we're back three points. Now we're good on goal differential. We're tied right now. Uh, but to get those three points, we need to win. Rayo needs to lose. The goal differential will work itself out. But imagine now that we are only two points back. Now we could still get this playoff spot by winning against the Cosmos 
And if all Rayo is able to do against Indy 11 is draw, we still get the spot. But now they need to, you know, all, all they need to do is draw against this excellent team to to clinch it. Um, we would have we could have made them win it before, you know, wh- whatever else it is. Uh, that point was really, really huge. And Ibsen was the only one that was playing like it. Yeah, I mean, I don't. Yeah, I don't know if I would say he's the only one playing like it, but I think his passion was showing in a way that exemplified that he knew it at the very least, and and wanted wanted it in a way that was visibly evident to those of us watching on TV. Um, but I, I mean, to your to your point, uh, I, I completely agree. Uh, I don't, still don't love the whining and the sort of half quitting and the stuff that Ibsen does when he's upset. Um, but uh, I agree that uh, good Ibsen, as you put it, uh, is is someone that is is hard to argue doesn't make your team better in those moments. Assuming that you're the rest of the team doesn't hate that person. <laughs> yeah, uh, but. Yeah. Sid, any thoughts? Yeah, I think I've talked about the fact that I enjoy Ibsen quite a lot, probably because he is whiny and seems to have a personality on the field that you can interpret in the stands, I guess. So, and that's necessarily to his play, which I think he's very talented, but kind of a mess. Uh, I enjoy him regardless. I think this will probably be, unfortunately, his last year. So I'm just trying to enjoy him for who he is, Dylan. <laughs> okay. I like that. You know, hard on his sleeve. I, I absolutely appreciate that with other sports uh, and particularly with people that other, you know, your, your purists and your whatever else is despise. I typically love those people for, for that exact reason. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the only reason I like Calvano is because he's just totally himself during the games which is probably horribly unbearable in real life but it's enjoyable to watch so he might be the sweetest guy Calvano you probably have a heart of gold he does have a heart of gold okay All right, that's a great transition. So next week, uh, Saturday, we, uh, as in Minnesota United, take on the New York Cosmos. uh, Saturday, October 29th, starting at 7 p.m. at the National Sports Center in Blaine, Minnesota. Uh, It's the final uh, and last home game that NSC will see with the Loons. Um, it is a first versus fifth for the final uh, game of the season, at least for the Loons. So, Jake, uh, with the opportunity to still somehow claim that fourth playoff spot, um, do you expect Coach Craig to throw out his best possible team for this home uh, match? Uh, or do you think that he plays... Maybe some guys that haven't seen much time. What, what do you what do you expect or maybe hope from Craig in this game? I would probably throw up a little bit in the stands uh, if he didn't, you know, put our best team out there with a shot at the playoffs. Uh, and you know, especially with uh, both Craig as well as all of the players on this team, 
very much fighting for a job somewhere, whether it's on the loons or somewhere else in uh, the NASL or somewhere in the USL after the NASL folds because all of their teams leave. Uh, you know, who the heck knows what it is. But, <laughs> but everybody's yeah. like playing. This is their last chance this season to prove that they deserve uh, a spot on some roster or another. Uh, and especially with a, a playoff spot, that, that is still a mathematical possibility. I mean, you, you've got to go for it. There's just no excuse not to. So when you say go for it, uh, do you mean our best possible 11? Or do you mean our most like attacking, offensively-minded, goal-scoring team? Or, you know, what do you mean by that? Uh, I guess I would mean that we need to uh, start our best, our 11 players best calibrated to play together to defeat the New York Cosmos. We need to play for the win, but we also have to remember that we're playing against the New York Cosmos. And if you just go and play undisciplined football against them, they will kill you. Um, So, you know, we have to attack, but we can't play irresponsibly either. Uh, we're playing at home. We can beat these guys, but we have to beat them. That's the end of that sentence. You're welcome, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Hard-hitting journalism. Uh, uh, Sid, what about you? Do you uh, expect uh, the same balls-out mentality for our coach? Uh, Cue the nickelback. <laughs> <laughs> Look at this photograph. Oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> oh, can we just... Bring a boombox and play Nickelback for everybody. Because every time I do, it makes me laugh. <laughs> Tell him. <laughs> anyway, Sid. Oh, man. Uh, short of Nickelback attending the game himself. Uh, I like that it's one person. <laughs> Pete Nickelback. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, he is. Nobody knows his real name. He's just Nickelback. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what we're talking about, but I like it. And the Cosmos are are his is his backup band. Yeah, Nickelback exactly. and the Cosmos. Yeah. Oh my god! Yeah, I'm there. That'd be a great way to like send off like playing at Nessie. Like that's our last game there. We just have the Nickelback and his backup band. That's all I got. Okay. Uh, What I find interesting about this matchup for us is sort of to what you were saying, Jake, uh, in order for us to get in the playoffs, we have to win and Ryo has to lose. That's simple enough. The goal differential right now on the combined table is even. So literally that in and of itself would, would be the only way that we can make the playoffs. Um, And so if we have to win and the goal differential really is ultimately uh, a mute, is it moot or mute? Moot. Moot. A moot point. Um, I think you're right, Jake. We have to put out our best 11 in the, you know, in the sort of normal way that a coach would select that. You look at your available players, you look at 
who you're going up against and you choose what you think are the, is the best possible scenario uh, for your team as a whole. You can't look at individual players. You know, unfortunately for us, with Jeb Brodsky, uh, Hurt uh, is, a, is a very difficult 11 to create, I think. But uh, Sid, what do you think? So the, the Cosmos obviously are always a tough matchup for us, uh, but with NYC having nothing really to play for, uh, do you think that they'll throw out anything like a B team? Or do you think that they're still gonna, you know, put out more or less their normal starters? So this is for sure their last game, right? Yes. Okay. It is their last. Uh, everyone right now. Everyone is at thirty-one games played, okay. aside from Puerto Rico, of course. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't bet money on it because I don't know about injuries or you know the current state of affairs at Cosmos. But I would not be surprised if we see a less than a team group of starters. I think if they're not playing for anything and they're still going to end up doing relatively well. I think they're probably going to start a more mixed bag team. That's what I got. Because they will uh, for sure win fall, and they'll also be on top of the uh, combined regardless of the outcome. So uh, they are literally as solid a number one home field playoff team as you can be in the NASL. So... So you think they're going to put out a pretty solid B team and rest some starters and what have you? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if, I mean, they don't seem like they have they have something to maintain, which is, I guess, like their image and their more or less winning streak. But I don't think that means they have to start the A team. I think that means they can put in some, like we've been doing, some younger guys who need to see more field time and are still performing well. What do you think, Jake? How, what do you think about that? And also, how do you feel about teams that rest their starters, you know, when playoffs are secure? Uh, I know this is a big thing in American football that we both know all too well. Uh, and there's a lot of uh, discrepancy on the opinion of whether or not that's a good thing or it's a bad thing. So what do you think about that? Yeah, excellent questions. First off, I think Sid is dead on. Uh, I think this it'll be kind of a combination of their starters. Uh, if the first round of the playoffs is, uh, is it, their first playoffs game is going to be November 5th. That's locked in already. They even know their opponent already. If it was, if it was two weeks in between, just for keeping up match fitness, I would expect them to start their full starters. But with a week in there, you know, I could see them just resting up some guys that they feel sort of need or could benefit from the rest and, you know, starting the folks on that roster that they think either need to stay fit or would be better served with another game. Maybe they start their A guys but haul a couple of them off at halftime or something like that. Uh, I definitely would not expect them, I guess, to, to trot out the, the full A-team and play as though this were any other game in the year. Uh, as to your other question, uh, I think, you know, with football, it's probably a wash. 
the way that people talk about it is it, it, it's particularly for your terrible announcers and your terrible football commentators. They were what they actually do is they work backwards. Uh, they retroactively tell the story based off of the results. Uh, the evidence is pretty isn't particularly one sided with anything. If you look at the stats or the metrics or whatever, it's usually goes in reverse, where if the team that rests their players uh, loses, it's because they're rusty. But if they win, it's because they're well rested uh, and, you know, vice versa for the, for the other team that you know, plays all of their players all the way through. So I think actually the better example is the NBA. Uh, since, you know, you play so many more games there, just like you play a lot of games over a period of a season uh, with soccer and you're doing just insane amounts of running. Uh, I'm a Spurs fan, so I have no problem with a coach resting players strategically. Uh, sure, the, you know, whatever the soccer gods maybe shedding a single tear over the lack of competitiveness. Uh, but nobody is paying the Cosmos head coach to appease the soccer gods. You're paying them to win the damn championship. So whatever their coach thinks is, is going to help accomplish that, I'm very much in favor of them doing. How are they locked in who they're going to play? Because aren't they going to end up playing number four seed? So it's either going to be Ryan or I think you're right. Where was that? Actually, Dylan, that is, uh, you are correct. When I was looking at the uh, the schedule, I didn't actually look at the teams. And so three of them were locked in, and there were logos for two of them, uh, but that was for Indian Edmonton. Okay. So you are correct. They do not know who they are playing yet. Okay. Uh, yeah, that's what, that's what I was thinking as well. I mean, either way, I don't think that necessarily changes uh, the approach much. Um, but I think that as far as New York and Indy are concerned, both undefeated at home this year uh, are looking at the playoffs thinking, yeah, we're in a, a great position. It doesn't really matter <laughs> mm -hmm. who's going to come into our house. They're not going to win. Uh, and, you know, obviously playoffs are different because there has to be an outcome. But 14-2-0 uh, for New York and 13-3-0 at home for Indy, uh, those are pretty indisputable uh, records as far as having home field advantage. So, well, let me jump in with yes, this uh, question for you guys. Yeah. Um, I was I noticed that looking at the NASL standings at some other point and looking at the home away splits, it's insane. Like for everybody, uh, there was I think Rayo is the only uh, team that has more wins away than any other result. Uh, what is it about? Is this a thing that applies? all the way across the board in soccer period. Is it this pronounced elsewhere or is it something about the NASL or this particular level of competition that provides so much of a home field advantage? Um, that's a great question, Jake. I think that the bottom line is uh, it's the better leagues. It's not nearly as uh, clear a difference. 
uh, as it is for uh, the NASL. Um, if you look at uh, MLS even uh, and look across the board, it's really even. Like right now uh, in the East, the, the Red Bulls are the only team with a clear difference. Home, they're 13-2-2, two and, two, and away they're 3-7-7. Seven, seven. Mm-hmm. But if you look at the rest of the East, like they're 8 slash 7 slash nine and something you know like it's right in the middle and if you look at the the west it's a little bit more dominant at home but really it's still somewhere in the middle i would say it kind of comes out in the wash as far as homes and home and away so maybe your top team has a clear like a very clear difference but in general, I think it sort of comes out in the wash. And I would say from my experience with at least uh, British or Barclays Premier League, um, you're talking about something like that as well, where it sort of comes out in the wash. The best teams, the top of the table teams are going to have really good home records and somewhere above 50 percent uh, away records uh, as far as home uh, wins, draws, or losses. Um, so I, I think it just has to do with the sort of disparity of uh, talent in the NASL that no team is really consistent enough uh, to make a, a stand in, in home versus away wins. Um, but maybe I'd have to look at USL to see if it's any different, but between the two sort of lower tier leagues in the U S my assumption is that that disparity is, is probably pretty similar. Um, and then the more even the, the teams become the less that that differential exists. Sid. Yeah, I think the one issue that we keep coming back to is something that they don't deal with in the EPL, which is, or EBL, uh, that we have to play on a variety of fields, and the majority of them are shitty, and a lot of them are turf. Field, like Mm -hmm. physical field Mm -hmm. differential, yeah, Yeah, being a big difference, yeah. And that there are teams like the Impact, regardless of what you think of Didier Drogba's preferences <laughs> and whatever, like when you have one of the best, if not arguably one of like the top three most talented players in the league, literally won't play on turf. So you're talking about, you know, 30% or one third of your games he doesn't play in yep. because of just the field, obviously that's going to really affect your win-loss record home and away. Yeah, and I think it makes issues for teams that have problems with, you know, touches and ball control. I think it exacerbates those issues so much, especially if you have slower players, like the ball moves faster on turf and you're just seeing those issues in a much more pronounced way. Yeah. So then you drop it down a league Mm -hmm. like NASL and you're looking at half the league playing on turf uh, and guys that don't have the touch and the ability. Yeah, that's a that's a really good point. Yeah. It's like I've played soccer my entire life. (laughs) Until my bum knee, I would have won pro. Now I just got a wood leg. (laughs) (laughs) The whole leg, too, not just like the bottom half. (laughs) 
<laughs> they amputated the arm. That's how bad my leg injury was. Went from my shoulder down to my foot. <laughs> yeah, those are all uh, fantastic points. And I had the uh, the EPL standings for at least this year open, uh, and it very much bore out uh, what you're talking about. So Cool. Well, uh, you know, I think we all agree that, especially as fans, we're looking forward to this final game. I think it'll be a fun one. It'll be high energy, and it'll probably be a, a cold one, but uh, hopefully there will be a big turnout for the final game out in Blaine and uh, hopefully it'll be a good victory for the Loons and maybe even the slight chance at a playoff spot in our final year uh, in the NASL and the the quote unquote lower tier leagues and maybe um, the final year for the NASL itself at the, well yeah <laughs> But and and especially against a team like you know the the thing that you one of many things that you lose uh, when you switch leagues like we are about to is that sort of history with the Cosmos, especially mm-hmm. recent history. Like they are one of those teams that if you're anyone that isn't the Cosmos in this league, you sort of hate the Cosmos. <laughs> oh, like they're yeah. just they're the they seem to always have the money that the other teams don't and you know the talent and the ability and they're always in the playoffs and i mean i honestly we've sort of been one of those teams uh over the last handful of years but we're not uh, douchebags exactly. <laughs> of course we're not yeah we're the night <laughs> minnesota nice uh anyway we say we're sorry jake okay we're sorry <laughs> What are you talking about? Yeah, so uh, I think we all hope for a good final game of this, potentially of this season, and at the very least of uh, our tenure uh, up in Blaine. Uh, And yeah, that'll wrap that up. Uh, The other thing we wanted to quick talk about uh, was Minnesota United FC announced the Itasca Society, which is basically just sort of a a special group that season ticket holders, the first 11,842 ticket holders, uh, will automatically become members of this Itasca Society, which is like a club for fans who have chosen to join the club in its first year in Major League Soccer. Uh, And you get some perks and what have you. Uh, But it was just announced. So what do you guys think about this? Do you think this is a a cool thing? Is it kind of hokey? Is it a way just to... a way to get more people to sign up for season tickets. Uh, I don't know. Sid, what do you think? I feel like you were excited and you kind of thought it was cool when uh, they announced this. I thought it was cool because I thought of when I imagined somebody saying they're part of the Itasca Society, I just imagined like an ancient couple and they're just like, oh, we're members of the Itasca Society. Yeah, we uh, we attend every Saturday. And it was just, yeah, that's what I imagine. Because like, there's no real benefits to being part of this society. Like, there's undefined benefits, which may never actually come to 
fruition. So it just feels like some shoddy, like Freemasons, Knights of Columbus shit where you're like, I don't know what you do, but you say you're part of this group. There's one very specific perk. Also, and you get a Freemasons and Knights of Columbus do not come after me for that. It's a uh, Minnesota State Park day pass. Oh my god. And when you join the Itasca Society, you get a day pass to (laughs) just deep perks for a whole day. Because you know Itasca, that's a state park. That's up there up north, you know. We just the rest of this episode. Just you okay. doing that voice, yeah. <laughs> so, what do you boys think of the Itasca Society? Jake, what do you think? Yeah, uh, I'm kind of split on it. Uh, mostly, I actually I took the name thing in a kind of a different direction. Uh, when I hear Itasca Society, I either think of like some sort of a membership like disease <laughs> like you're tackling cancer group or something like that i like that uh or a super kind of elitist uh gentrified uh like part of town like you know the lofts at soda sopa uh kind of trendy itasca society sort of thing yeah. i don't know yeah. uh so yeah i don't like it's fine you know they can do the thing if they want uh i'm generally not on on board or feel the need for things that let people feel like they're better than other people for a thing that doesn't matter and this kind of seems like one of those things yeah but also I mean, like I, a society of like almost twelve thousand people like there's nothing really <laughs> exclusive about that. Especially when all you really need... Well, I mean, I shouldn't say that. It's very white privilege, I feel like. The idea that oh, my initial thought was, all you really need is $40 to put a deposit down. And then I'm like, well, no, you need like five, $400 to have a season <laughs> ticket. The, the other yep. two things that stand out to me for this is that if anyone isn't Minnesota and knows how to pronounce Itasca... Is it Itasca or Itasca? That's exactly what I was going to say, is that if you're from Minnesota, you know the, the pronunciation of Minis- that Minnesotans say is Itasca. But if you look at it as a word, it, Interesting. it should be pronounced in like American English, Itasca. But no one says it that well, way. I just fucked up my faux Minnesota accent. God just, damn it. It's fine. But I, so I find out. that interesting. First of all, they chose a word. It's like Larpender. Like if you've ever, if you're from the Twin Cities <laughs> and you pronounce it Larpender. Oh, they should have done Minnehaha. That's so much more fun to say. Minnehaha is a great word. And you, yeah. that one is pronounced more or less exactly how it is written. So it I want to be part of the Minnehaha Society. It's pretty good. Maybe that one already exists. Uh. Uh, so the, my other favorite part about this whole thing is that one of the perks, quote unquote, is a lifetime membership <laughs> asterisk uh, in the Itasca Society. And then you go down and the asterisk is, in order to maintain oh your God. Itasca Society <laughs> membership, you will need to renew at least one season ticket per season. So don't call Fucking it a lifetime. <laughs> this is like a scene on TV commercial, like free no shipping. Yeah. Asterisk, not really. Yeah. God. Yeah, it's just so funny. I mean, I, it's it, like the pillow we saw yesterday on TV that was like, it'll make your ass look the better. Butt the butt pillow that will make your butt look better just by sitting on it. Asterisk, like, but not really. 
Oh man. What? It doesn't make That's any sense. That's such bullshit. Right. Yeah. Asterisk. <laughs> that nailed it. Hell yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I think at the end of the day, uh, it's kind of a cool thing, and you know, we are lucky and privileged enough to be able to have put deposits down, and we're going to be season ticket holders next year. But it's, I, I think, like you said, Jake, it's it's very uh, American sort of sentimentality. <laughs> it's sort of like. You can do a thing. We want to make you feel special for be able, being able to do that thing. Um, and really, there's not much. I mean, it's cool. Like, it'll be interesting to see what they claim there will be recognition in the new Midway Stadium. <laughs> like, what does that mean? Like, I mean, you know, again, to Cindy's point. For the it, first yeah, game only. it's like, it's Your ambiguous. name is written in, like, the P trough. You know, there's like, like they somewhere could, special. Yeah. I mean, they could do something really cool and unique with it we don't know yet we're still at least two years away from that but let's just go hard line pessimistic exactly yeah. let's go sydney style um and i really hope it's like dark clouds and they send everybody a fucking card yeah welcome to the itasca society yeah. it's itasca not itasca 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 it- Tasca. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think it's 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 a good idea. It's a nice way to make people feel special. So uh, does it not kind of start forward. until we get to the Midway Stadium, or does it start this no, coming year? Yeah, it'll okay. be this coming year. Yeah. So you have to maintain your Itasca Society membership by uh, renewing at least one season ticket every year for the next two years in order to even see some You're of the right. Yeah, okay. Uh, that might come with that membership, but... Also, like, the exclusive Itasca Society merchandise, I would never buy that. Oh, I would. Like, unless it's clear that it's, it's also nice part logo. of this, like... But if... Okay. As long as it says Minnesota United, like, it's not just, like, Itasca Society in big block letters yeah. on this new varsity jacket. The other thing, I, now that you say that, is on the logo it says established 2017, yeah. even though really it's been established now, which is fucking backdate your shit. It's fine. It's like a fine wine. That's uh, best vintage right there. Is <laughs> yeah. one that like is made next year. Yeah. That's the finest wine. Yeah. Anyway. Bottom line is, it's kind of a cool thing. Uh, it's unnecessary, uh, but you know, some people like that sort of unnecessary uh, bonus for things that they uh, they want to feel like what that they pay for something special. And then I think the vast I've majority technically paid for that. And I don't feel like I'm getting anything extra. No, I think the bottom line is people who really like are like real fans. Like, don't care for that shit. You know what I mean? Like real fans, real fans. like just want to be able to be a, they want to feel even without any benefits that they are part of the team and they want to go to the games as many games and be a supporter of the team and, and feel like they're a part of the team. By the way, Jake, I don't know if you saw, but the final home game of MLS was uh, for Seattle versus Real Salt Lake had 50 5,000 people at uh, CenturyLink Stadium in Seattle. That's insane. 
that's a huge number of people. Uh, and it just made me think like, we're going to be lucky to sell out the lower bowl uh, next year for most of our games. Um, and not that we couldn't get there, but it's just like Seattle, whatever they have done, and whatever their shortcomings and all of that stuff, uh, their fandom is, 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 at least in the United States, is pretty unrivaled. Uh, they are very, very good sports fans in Seattle. I just realized that regardless of... We have of- a podcast? Holy shit. Oh my god, you guys. Can we undo this? Slow down. My voice is recorded forever. Uh, Regardless of the fact that some of our current supporters groups rub us the wrong way, literally nothing will live up to watching U of M students get fucking trashed and act like college kids at Minnesota United Games constantly well no that's what uh, this is this is going to be a topic that i wanted to talk about next either next week or in if we do an off-season sort of podcast there's going to be student section seating and i don't know i don't think you ever did you ever go to a twins game when there was (laughs) fuck no okay so jake and i for sure have been to twins games back when it was at the metrodome you could get student section seats Mm -hmm. and it was like how much was it jake it was like five dollars jesus yeah it was like 10 or something like that it was was so cheap to get a student section and a hot dog and you got a hot dog with it oh Oh, boy so such a good deal and it got so drunk and messy oh yeah and like when i saw that i was like that's really cool it makes a ton of sense we're renting a (laughs) university stadium let's bring in the students that's super cool and then i remembered what it was like going to twins games (laughs) and i was like oh man i want to be as far away from that section of the stadium yeah absolutely i would just like to refresh everybody's memories when dinky town was lit on fucking fire because all the kids were pissed that their hockey team didn't win and i think probably a tiny fraction of the people who actually vandalized buildings and turned over cars were actually real hockey fans. So it's just going to be an excuse for people to go out and get shit-faced together and get angry about something. As a group, it's a unifying thing. And I can say all this because I'm a U of M student and I fucking hate the rest of you. Um, See, it's uh, it's a sense of belonging just like the Itasca Society. You you belong to something. Which, I mean, to be to be very fair, and here's where I would, you know, very much support uh, the idea of the society uh, and just supporters groups in general and everything, you know, like human beings just have this innate drive to belong to a thing and feel connected to other people, you know, so if it can, if it even just a little bit, the Itasca Society can do that without like making them assholes at the same time. Like, cool. That's a good thing. Agreed. And that will do it for episode 27 of Loons Out of Water. 
I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. You can find more from us on our website, loomsoutofwater.com. We're on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and Google Play, where our podcasts are available. Please subscribe and give us a rating no matter what you think. And thanks to those that have already rated or written a review. We do appreciate it. If you're on Twitter, follow us at Loons Out of Water, or you can let us know your thoughts at loonsoutofwater at gmail.com. On behalf of this raft of loons, thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week. Literally.